wonderful show is keeping up with the Joneses. AJ Jones. Yes, sir. Let's not talk about sadness this week. Okay. Let's talk about my desire to get a dog. No. <laughs> no no to talking about it or no to getting one? Babe, we can't have a dog. Because you're a monster who hates small, adorable animals that just bring joy to no, little children? I would love to have a dog. And it's settled. That, We're ladies and gentlemen, is how you do. <laughs> We're not getting a dog. First of all, Kate, who lives with us, is allergic to dogs. But I have a plan. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> I've been finding pet dander and I'm slowly leaving it around her living space and just watching her build up a tolerance to it. Okay. It's a genius plan. Okay. And you also had the children pray for her to be healed of her allergy. And now I'm accusing her of having a lack of faith. <laughs> so what are you going to do about the fact that once we're not in quarantine, our lifestyle is a horrible, horrible lifestyle to have a dog? Well, I'm going to do one of those things where like, I'm going to change the working policy at Grace Center and it's like bring your dogs to work. And so like the dog's going to come with me everywhere and she's going to become an extension of my personality. It's going to be great. Don't bother me with that details. That will not work. <laughs> our, our lives are not good for a dog. Maybe later in life, like 20 years from now. What, what's going to happen in 20 years from now? Well... Uh, I'll be nearly 70, and so we could retire and get a dog. Okay, so there is a Instagram account that I just, I'm not really a dog person. I had a dog growing up, but I so can... So did I. I had a dog. I had two different dogs growing uh, Sorry, up. is this your monologue? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you were monologuing. I thought only evil masterminds actually did monologues. <laughs> okay. On Friday, somebody tweeted out a link to this Instagram thing about this dog's life is better than the rest of ours you know put together yeah if you look at the account it is so i you know i just was interested went to this dog and fell in love with this this breed of dog called a vishla i'm not sure if i'm saying that pronounce or pronouncing that correctly it's v-i-s-z-l-a i think vishla i don't know it's a hungarian sporting dog and they're absolutely beautiful and i was like you know what my life needs right now is a dog and and you know maybe my desire for dog is just uh, an antidote to having to feel my feelings. I'm like, you know what? Let's get a dog. Do that would think? be distracting. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you jumped to that conclusion. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not getting a dog, but I'm dreaming about having a dog. Yeah. Maybe one day. Mm-hmm. When you're 70. Well, maybe it'll happen before then, but it would have to be sometime after the season where we can actually be gone from our house for eight hours in a row and that poor little thing will have to be in a box no i think it comes with me and it's great and uh-huh you know yeah no all right i love dogs in restaurants and things i mm-hmm. mean this will work great i've got it i'm gonna poke both my eyes <laughs> out it could be a seeing dog <laughs> probably not a dog right now huh mm, okay do you want to tell them what you told the children do you want to tell them how you threw me under the bus with the children I don't remember doing that. You did. Okay. Yesterday what, you were like, happened? well, guys, you know, yeah, because you were talking to them about a dog. And then they're, you're like, mommy's the holdout. Like, mo- it, mommy won't want a dog. I don't remember dog. saying that. I just remember pointing out how unreasonable you were with all your, like, <laughs> we have to wait till you're 70. I was just hoping that the lifestyle came with a dog. Like, I'll put a link in the show notes to this Instagram account. And it's just this young, gorgeous, fit, outdoor couple in the, are they in the Rockies? No, where are they? They're... Somewhere in Canada. Somewhere I think. in Canada. And I, I was just like, oh, this is a life we want. Well, right. And we'll never have because right. <laughs> we live in a completely different part of the world. Uh, and neither one of us like kayak or do half the things. You used in those to kayak? Of- no, I've never kayaked. I thought it was portaging. Canoeing. 
Kayak canoeing. They both begin with the same letter. It's okay. fine. Yes. Well, sort of. Yeah. That's no, it's not One... the same letter. <laughs> I was second. waiting for you to pick me up on that. I threw it to you. I set it up for you and nothing. <laughs> I was like, so wait. wait. <laughs> well, today we're talking about a feeling we spent most of the week trying to avoid. It's going to be... Sadness. Sadness. Yes. On our journey of our feelings, we've covered hurt, we've covered lonely, and we're now into sad. Yes. Now, you're probably thinking, why? Why, Jones, why in the middle of a global pandemic are you wanting to talk about sadness? That's what I'm thinking right now. Why, Jones? Why? Because if you want a rich, full life, you can't have a rich, full life without having sadness. And you were thinking, I'll give him my best shot. <laughs> no, yeah, let me try. <laughs> well, but no, seriously, just before we unpack why that is, think about today. Like, how has your heart been with sadness today? Uh, very present with my sadness. I would say that you've been spending most of your time away from sadness. Well, I'm aware of it. And so <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm present in that I'm aware it's right there and I'm avoiding Feeling uh, sad. Uh, yes. Okay, so let me ask you, what's the quality of your life when you avoid your sadness that you're well, aware of? I still feel sad. And the quality of your life would be like what? Frustrating. <laughs> right. Okay, so, so and this is a kind of dichotomy. Like, we talked a, a little bit about this, that this week we've both felt really sad. Just yeah. before we started recording. I cried. You were talking about feeling sad. Yeah. And so I thought you just eloquently put, said that like i'm aware of my sad but i don't want to pay attention to my sad so i'm reading reading a lot yeah yeah so uh, so you're not actually feeling your sadness so to speak you're aware that it's there but you're choosing to ignore it and as a result you're living a substandard quality of life yeah so so it's so funny that we think like if i don't have to feel the sadness my life will be better but actually it's just a really well it's still there the second you stop reading or stop eating something crunchy mm-hmm. or stop whatever playing a video game it's still there yeah yeah so that the attempt of getting through life without having to really feel your sadness produces a substandard quality of life like i wouldn't say oh, that sure. today's been your best day just from an external perspective no right you, you don't seem brimming with your usual joy that's true yeah ow you just stabbed me under the table <laughs> i did not i can't even reach you but i'll try and stab you if you like <laughs> The reason for that is when we're not prepared to feel our sadness, we actually become an inauthentic version of ourselves. We deny what's actually going on. We separate ourselves from that sadness and we become like a lesser version of ourselves who is like getting through life rather than enjoying life. Yeah. I think this week I'm just super aware of how not in control I am. Like in terms of we've just had lots of sad news and as pastors you 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 hear that and you carry the people that are uh going through hard things mm-hmm. and i can't change those things for those people so uh i just feel really sad because mm-hmm. i want to i guess i want to help or i want to fix it i know i can't do any of those things so uh yeah i'm left with an awareness that life isn't fair yeah. Or life isn't going the way I would like it to go. Yeah. Or going the way that I'd like it to go for other people. Right. Yeah. And so I'm aware there's this. And so I, because this is here, I'm going to go over here and avoid this. Yes, I'd like to. Right. Yeah. And the trouble is when we do that, when we like are aware of our sadness but won't feel it, 
we actually shut down a part of our heart. We, we become less vibrant with our own hearts, which means it's impossible to be vibrant with other people's hearts too. Yeah. Which is like the sad news about sadness. This could be a really interesting podcast. The sad news about sadness. And by interesting, and I mean... And that's where they turn us off. Sorry, folks. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> see ya. Have a nice week. We'll see you next week when we talk about happy. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the whole thing about sadness... Do you need a moment to dry your eyes? <laughs> I have a leak. Yeah. Yeah. Bless. It's all right. I'm so glad I redid my makeup. Mm. Not. The thing about, like, I was so mad... I, I think I was kind of okay with Chip's book till I got to the chapter on sad. And then I was really, really mad about sad. And now I'm rhyming. Because Maybe like, you could make that into a rap or something. No, you don't want to see me rap. Because, no. Sad. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. Uh, okay. For sorry. about two years, when we would ever do a mic check before we'd start recording... Instead of just going check, check, one, two, like we would normally do, AJ would insist on <laughs> rapping or human beatboxing. And for about a year, I collected all of those various... But he didn't tell me that. No. And then uh, one year, I surprised her with a a, a hip-hop. Oh, a song, kind of, made out of my... Oh, I think that's an insult to songwriters everywhere. <laughs> it was a collection of you making noise. Strange noises, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, what were we talking about? Sadness. My refusal to want to feel sad. Yeah, in reading Chip's book, because John 10.10 is one of my favorite verses. Like, I've come to give you life and life abundant. And I was like, well, life abundant means I should never have to feel sad again. Yes. And so this notion that Chip was suggesting that actually wholehearted living, like full-hearted living includes sadness. I was like, no, no, no. Sadness is an enemy of feeling alive. Let's kick it out. Yeah. But actually, that's you unprepared to live life the way it is because... As we looked at last week, Jesus said, "In this life, you will have you will have many troubles." Yeah. So sadness is a part of life, and and uh, I just live my life refusing to want to feel sadness, which in turn gave me uh, like a shutdown heart. What are you grinning at? I'm just like I just had a thought of like I think maybe uh, well you can <laughs> you can maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm like I think I'm making progress because before I would just quote a scripture verse at my sadness and then get back. Back, foul beast, back, And then just completely be like, I'm fine, because I quoted a scripture verse at it. And I'm more than a conqueror in Christ. now I'm actually feeling it, but then I'm also reading to avoid feeling it when it gets too big. Right. So maybe I haven't made progress. Oh, it's all baby steps, isn't it? At least you're aware it's here, and you're aware I'm avoiding it. Yeah. That's better than the denial that I've been living in before, where I'm like, nope, I'm fine. Everything's okay. Everything's fine. Why are you crying? It's all good. Just suck it up. Do you want something that's really depressing, but is actually quite cheery? Depressing, but cheery. Well, listen I'm to this. I'm terrified. <laughs> I know, it's easier if I just read it. Okay. This is from Chip's book. Yes. This is from the chapter on sadness. He says okay. this. Sadness is the feeling that speaks to how much you value what is missed, what is gone, and what is lost. It also speaks of how deeply you value what you love, what you have, and what you live. So when I said that was like, how did I describe it? Sad, depressing, beautiful, genius at the same time? Something like that. It's, it's that whole, the truth about life that I just didn't want to face. See, Chip says, sadness is the feeling that speaks to how much you value what is missed, what is gone, and what is lost. The reason I've never wanted to think about what I've missed, what is gone, is what is lost, is when I think upon those things, I don't have warm feelings. I have like sad feelings. Yeah. So as a result of never wanting to look backwards, I prize myself on being like present future oriented. Like I never want to look back. As a result, historically, I've not been a very, uh, what's it called? Sentimental person. Like I don't have 
photos around my house. I don't have trinkets that mean things to me. When my when my both my parents died, I went back to the house with my sisters and we spent the whole week like unpacking everything and you know, packing up everything rather. And my sisters were like, Do you want this? Do you want that? I didn't want anything. And and now I have sadness about not wanting anything. Not that I didn't get anything, because I could still get stuff. My sister's got a ton of it. But the fact that I didn't want anything now makes me sad. Like, my heart was like, I don't want to be reminded of any of this, because I, if I know, if I think about these things, I will feel sad, and I don't want to feel sad. So get behind me, Satan. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, does make sense. But when I read Chip's book, what I realized was that without my sadness, I don't actually get to cherish that which is precious. Yeah. Or honor that, which is precious. Yeah, or hold on to it, or even be in touch with what I value. Yeah. I don't actually get the treasure of what I've missed, which then makes me... Sad. Sad. <laughs> <laughs> I realized that I was kind of sabotaging myself. Like, my, I didn't let my heart encounter the tenderness that comes from cherishing beautiful memories or the gladness that you once had, because I was thinking, well, I can't have them now, so why bother reminiscing on when I had them? So right. it's like it's like cutting off your nose to spite your face. Like I won't think about the the memories I had then because I can't have them now. Like I'm going to refuse to live now because I can't relive what I had back then. But like think about the the beauty of what your experience. Think about the beauty of the past. Think about all the the treasured memories that I was refusing to access because I just don't want to feel sad. Yeah, I totally get it. That also means without sadness, huge parts of me are not present. Like basically my whole history. <laughs> Is that making yeah. sense? Yeah. I'm not trying to be overly metaphorical. No, but. it does make sense. I think I think you and I have done that part a little different, like in terms of um, I do have some stuff and I have a bunch of stuff from my dad that I look through every once in a while and, mm -hmm. you know, um, like newspaper clippings and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I, I, to begin with, I kept them but couldn't look at them. Wow. And Why couldn't you look at them? Oh, because I felt desperately sad. If you looked at them. Well, because my dad took his life. Right. It's, it's, to me, it doesn't feel the same. I don't, like, I don't want, I'm, you know, to me, it doesn't feel the same because he chose it. Yes. Um, so to begin with, I think there was so much anger mixed in with the sadness that I was like, I want to keep these for later when I'm not wanting to burn them. Like when I'm not furious. Right. Um, but I mean, I, I looked at them a couple months ago, came down in the basement and looked through all the articles and uh, I have some of his swimming medals and all that kind of stuff. And now it's uh, glad with sadness. Yeah. Talk to me about that. So I was I was just going to ask, do you mind if I ask, like, what did you feel when you looked at the stuff from your dad? Well, now I'm able to look at them and go, wow, I still really miss you. But I remember when, you know, like I can cherish it as opposed to be like somewhere in the basement there's a box of terror. And one day i yeah. will get to that <laughs> yeah. so um yeah it's different now than it mm. was sadness has this proportional value to it in that the greater something meant to us the larger the sadness when we lose it yeah for sure so basically you're saying the amount of sadness we have about something points to how important it was to us. Right. It talks about the value of what we lost because sadness is always about loss. Sadness is all about what we've lost. I remember when I was in uh, YWAM, uh, I went to YWAM three years after my dad killed himself and uh, I was frustrated that I was still sad, that I was still grieving. And 
I remember talking to the base leader and just saying, like, we were in Honduras standing in a puddle somewhere and totally got in touch with how angry I was. Mm. And he said, AJ, I'm not sure you've ever grieved. Wow. And I was like, I just lost it, started yelling at this poor man. And I was like, how long do I have to grieve for? It's been three years, you know, how long do I have to feel this way? And he's like, well, I, uh, you might just want to think about like, you're, you're probably going to feel this way for a while. And how long did you love him for? Right. And I was like, uh, cause I was I'm 21, 22 at the time. He's like, it might be at least that long before, <laughs> before the grieving stops. And I thought, well, that's horrible news. And I don't really feel like it played out like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but in looking back, I didn't even let myself grieve in the first place. Cause I wasn't, I, I couldn't feel, I was overwhelmed by sadness right? and overwhelmed by anger. And I just thought. You don't get any more. No, not doing it. No. We're going to talk about grief momentarily and the importance that sadness plays in the journey of grief. But you're touching on something that, like, if we are going to be committed to living a full, rich, open life, then we are signing up for huge amounts of sadness. Because the more you open up your heart to people, things, opportunities, places, the more we engage with things, the more we love, the more we value, then the greater the loss we're going to feel when they go or when things happen to them that might not be our wishes. Well, I remember after dad died, I would assess everything based on the danger of falling in love with something or someone again or letting somebody close because I assessed everything at the loss. Right. So I'd be like, oh, you seem really cool. We could be friends. But when that ends, that's going to cost me something, you know, however it ends. Right. You know, because at the time it felt like everything ended, you know. And so I would assess everything at, it's going to cost me something to lose that. So I'm not signing up for loss. Mm. So then I just didn't have anything. I didn't have any real relationship. So you wouldn't have to suffer loss. Yes, but then you're absolutely completely alone. Yeah, I I would largely agree that without the probably degree of intensity that you're describing, I realize that large portions of my life were lived detached because if I have to attach and I have to lose you, I don't want to deal with the pain. So it's just safer. I mean, that's ridiculous. It's not safer. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no safety in that at all. It's It's more stunted. Even like we were joking about getting a dog, like part of my decision tree yesterday was like, oh, look at that dog. It's beautiful. I really like to get a dog. No, dogs die. I don't feel sad about having a dog die. I'm not going to get a dog. You did like, say that. I did that in like yeah. a millisecond. Yeah. Like, I don't want to open up my, and I was like, oh. And again, it's weird that we're recording this episode this week because this week has been very hard in yeah. regard to the amount of sadness that we feel related to our job and related to people we love and things that are happening and you know the global pandemic and all that sort of stuff i don't know where this fits in babe and maybe it doesn't maybe we take this out but even as you know as we were just talking i thought actually you know we we've done some talking on the podcast about ungodly beliefs right right and how you know your life writes a story and and you start to believe these things and i was talking about just a second ago about um, assessing whether I would get close to somebody based on what it would cost me mm-hmm. when they leave. Uh, one of my main ungodly beliefs was if I love him specifically, he will leave because, of course, dad left 
and my first husband left and I realized like I held all men back because the potential for pain and I was actually able to connect with women because they hadn't caused as much right as much pain but I still assessed everybody based I would assess like how far I would let them in based on what it would cost me when when they hurt me not if the threshold of pain I'm going to experience let me rank you yes and then give you access to my life according to your pain threshold yes (laughs) wow I'm really glad that you got ministry for that particular ungodly belief before I met you. Yeah, so am I. I also think about our story in our engagement, that at one point in our engagement, I was, oh, actually at many points through our engagement, I was having this internal struggle of like, I'm making a mistake, it's not right, I don't want to marry another man's wife, you know, I'm wrecking her life, I'm wrecking my life, and honestly, I'd be like a yo-yo, like one day I'd be like... Because you didn't know if I was supposed to be your wife, because yeah, God would was, say, you must well, marry her. Well, I was her. filled with fear, and yeah. I was totally chicken, and I basically wanted God to make my decisions for me, yeah. rather than honoring my own heart, yada, yada, yada. And I remember at one point, you, one of your friends just asked me, in the car, and I we just, were driving to yeah. Krista's wedding. Yeah, and I've you know I answered, and then the car went quiet. But I still think about your reaction. You didn't you didn't disconnect at what you thought was my disconnection. Like you stayed present. You had enough resolve with the Lord. Where you, I mean, I remember you being largely okay with me not being okay, which was such a gift to me. But I was, I mean. I was only okay with you not being okay and sort of sign waving because I had heard really clearly from the Lord. And you'd worked on your ungodly beliefs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it just didn't trigger what normally would have what normally would have triggered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gosh, our stories are crazy at writing the events of our life. You know, yeah. like events happen and then we write a story about them and the events are true, but the story we write are probably not. Probably hugely, I mean, not probably, are definitely hugely influenced by our our pain that we've already experienced and usually our unprocessed pain. Yeah. So, AJ, why are we, why are we open to feeling sad? Because every feeling has a gift. And please, for the love of all that's holy, tell me the gift of feeling sad. The gift of feeling sad is acceptance. That sounds like the worst gift ever. Does it, it, is, yeah. does it come it's with a worst. gift receipt? <laughs> Can I give it back? Like, hey, I got this gift and I have a gift receipt. Can I trade it in for something better? So the gift of feeling sad is acceptance. That sounds sucky. Yes, it does sound sucky. So could you explain why it's a good thing? Like why acceptance is a good thing? I'm not sure I can. I mean, I I can't explain because I've read Chip's book and I've done Chip's courses. and, and, And I have experienced a measure of the goodness of feeling sad. Like genuinely, I have received the gift of uh, acceptance. If we back up a little bit, like feeling sad opens the doorway to healing. So the reason we're feeling sad is we have suffered loss. If we sit with our sadness, if we allow sadness to accompany us on the path of grief, we're talking about grief earlier, the end result of that, of doing our work around our sadness, doing the work around the grief of what we've lost, is eventually we come to accept life on life's terms. Now, let me let me explain what we mean by life on life's terms, because that's another phrase where yeah. when I heard Chip talk about that, I was like, I don't have to accept life on that's life's right. terms because I have Jesus. That's right. I'm and, an overcomer. And he's going to upgrade everything. <laughs> Again, like my yeah. understanding of that is, is Jesus is going to make sure I never have to feel anything, you know, negative at all. Right. Which were never promised. Never promised or never was it demonstrated. No. So if you think about Jesus' best friend Lazarus dying and Mary and Martha being really sad, 
I would read that story and go, yeah, but you get to the end and Jesus rose from the dead. Yay. And I'm like, yeah, but for the four days he left them there, he didn't tell Mary and Martha, hey, guys, don't worry. This is what's going to happen. He just left them in their sadness, in their grief. And so, yes, in one sense, Jesus is going to make all things new, but that's in the next life. And sometimes in this life, before we get to see the miracle of what happened, we have to walk through the deep sadness of what has. And sometimes sometimes the why, the, the question why isn't answered this side of eternity. And so yeah. we have to be prepared with what do we do when we don't get the answers we want? What do we do when life isn't on our terms, like yeah. life on life's terms? Yeah. And see, the gift of acceptance is, acceptance allows you to continue living with the absence of what you loved. Without acceptance, you refuse to live without what you've lost, which means you either have to turn to denial. Uh, it's not that bad. It doesn't matter. You know, I don't need a dad. I don't need a mom. I'm fine. It's fine. Or delusion. Right? Remember, you actually literally moved to a state where you refused to believe your dad had died. Yes. And then the police had to be called because you were hallucinating. Yes. Remember that part? That's a fun story. Tell the kids that that story. (laughs) I don't think the kids want to hear that story. (laughs) But acceptance, or like this is how life actually is, it does something wonderful for us. Living acceptance helps us find what we need. Like the most annoying question, as you know, being married to me is, is there something you need? Is there anything you need? Do you know what you need? What do you need? Like, I got asked that for years and years oh, and years. Okay. And I'm like, I hate. And the reason I hated that question is I didn't know the answer. And the reason I didn't know the answer to what I need is you'll never know what you need until you felt your feelings. And, Bummer, right? <laughs> and in your sadness, it leads you to acceptance. Like, this is how my life is. And out of the reality of how my life is, I can identify what I need. Yeah. And what I need might be, I need somebody just to listen to me. Yeah. Or I actually need help. Or I need to move on. Or I need... Uh, to do something in remembrance, or I need, to, but you will discover whatever that is by sitting with your sadness, leading you to acceptance. What's the difference between acceptance and trust? Because I think I move probably too quickly to trust to get away from actually, I, I bypass the identifying my need. So mm. I, I I can just go, okay, well, I don't get it, but I trust you, God. Mm-hmm. And move into trust without actually identifying if there was a need in the midst of it. It's interesting because I wonder if trust is actually the best word for what you're describing there. Okay. I I wonder. I I can think of times when I've moved to trust where I basically say I'm trusting God, but it's actually a great ace card to say I don't have to be present with my feelings. Right. No, but I'm saying like I know times like there's so many things that I feel like, oh, I don't have an answer for that. I don't have an answer for why life went down mm. that way, but I do honestly trust God. Like I, right. you know what I mean? So I, I do move to, I'm not saying in every circumstance and I'm trying to feel my feelings now and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, but sometimes I literally just sort of flip into, okay, God, I don't get this. I do feel sad, but I trust you. Yeah. That and sounds like acceptance. That it's a different kind of acceptance mm-hmm. maybe, but I wonder if it, I wonder if I'm stopping the process short in that I'm not actually then saying, you know, do I have any need in this moment? Right. Of could be, I, babe. I'm, I'm trusting or I'm accepting, but maybe there's also a place to go in this trust and acceptance. Here's what I here's need. Here's what I need, Lord. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Sounds like something to journal about. Does, doesn't it? <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Journaling, it never ends. <laughs> I think, too, it's uh, part of why we don't want to feel our sadness is we've been trained not to. 
You know, we've been right. trained to think that uh, feeling sadness, maybe particularly as victorious Christians, uh, that feeling sadness is weakness. You know, right. that it's like if we really knew how big God was or whatever, that we would we wouldn't feel sad. Right. Somehow you know? that by feeling sad, you're faithless because God is good all the time. That's right. Oh, oh all the time. God, God is, is good. good. <laughs> now, here's the thing. I firmly believe that God is good. Absolutely. And life is hard. Yes. Right? Yeah. What does it Chip says? Chip's got this great phrase where he says that um, uh, life is tragic, but God is faithful. Yeah. Right? That's and those so two go true. together. So true. And I wish that life wasn't tragic. but like, So the, do I. You know, yeah. This week is a great week for us yeah. of like, oh, yeah, there's lots of tragedy happening. Lots of tragic. And yeah. God is faithful. And sometimes you seemingly can't reconcile those two things. And you know that one has to trump the other. And that one trumping the other doesn't mean you don't have to feel your feelings about the bit you don't understand. That makes right. any sense. Right. I think what we prefer to do is uh, move away from our feelings don't we? By maybe putting band-aids on it, like whether it's scripture verses or, uh, you know, handy sayings. Yeah. Oh, so many handy sayings. There's a whole industry, Christian industry about handy sayings. You know, like, (laughs) so you lose, you know, that we've had horror stories of, of parents losing their children and the best comfort that Christians can come up with is like, God must have needed your baby more than you did. You know, heaven must have needed another angel. Which is awful. It's totally awful. And horrible theology. <laughs> but it's also people who haven't felt their feelings about that. So they're right. like, okay, here. We want to like, move away from our feelings. I don't want to feel this. Right. So I'm going to try and make you stop feeling what you're feeling. So that we can all get back on with life. Yes. And it's like, it's horrible. And, and the truth is to recognize, yes, God is good. And sometimes life is hard. Yes. And so God is faithful and God is glorious. God is as good as he is great. Like, you know, I am, I preach my, probably my core message is the goodness of God. Yes. And I get to feel sad. And my sadness doesn't come at the expense of his goodness. Yeah, it doesn't diminish it at all. See, the thing is, if we don't make room for our sadness along with God's goodness, then we build up this facade that we're like this super Christian, that we're no longer human, and that nothing by any means can can cause us to feel sad. Right. right? We start twisting scripture to make this austere uh, presentation of, uh, you know, like I talked about last week, like I'm Teflon. Everything just, you know, bounces off me. Nothing can stick to me. And then you feel like Teflon when other people are trying to connect totally. to you because you're not touchable. Right. You're not real. Yeah, that that's so true, babe, because you end up not only hiding behind your sadness, but you, you know, as you remove away from your own self feeling hurt, at the same time, you remove away from a relationship with others too. Right. And you, they might recognize it, but you might not be able to acknowledge it. Like, no, I'm fine. No, no, I'm just, I'm just not one of those like needy people. And you're like, oh, <laughs> oh. which again, yeah. like, you know, I'm not saying this as a judgment against other people. I'm talking about this we've as a description this. of myself. Yes, we've, we've done this. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we've talked about, uh, you know, feeling sad. The gift is acceptance. We've talked about like, sadly in our culture, we've been trained out of feeling sad because it looks like faithlessness. And hey, you know, the reason you're feeling sad is you just don't know how good God is. That's and right. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah, read more and scripture, if, memorize it. If we do that, we remove ourselves from ourselves and from a relationship. And if we refuse to feel our feelings about sadness, we end up with this impairment. And the impairment of sadness is what? It's self-pity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And self-pity really is this attempt to make other people feel sad for us. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to feel my sadness, so let me tell you a really sad story so that you will feel sadness on my behalf so I don't have to do the work for me. Wow. 
And, Yikes. And self-pity is the gateway to victimhood. Yeah. Right? So, and so victims, the story of victimhood is the world is out to get me. I'm the common denominator of everybody's other's ill. You know, you don't understand how hard my life has been. Let me talk to you about it. Right. And soon enough, I don't have to take any responsibility for the quality of life I'm living. Right. I just get to describe how hard it is. And you will either meet me in my uh, impaired version by being self-pity or otherwise, like, you're just an uncaring person. Right. All right, so now I'm going to twist what it means to be in relationship with me, which is all about like meeting my needs for me while I'm not going to meet any of my own needs. Yeah. And it's pretty horrible and pretty yeah. toxic. Yeah. So here's my question. So I'm just thinking the whole, I don't know if I went the self-pity route, but I definitely went the victim route. But in going the victim route, I went the I will survive you rather like i'm a victim i'm always a victim i will survive this right rather than show me self-pity i didn't want anybody to show me self-pity but i would imagine that's still an impairment i wonder if just and just from the stories you've told me i wonder if your self-pity was all internalized because you are so scared of other people, I wonder, like, to even have self-pity means, hey, hey, other human, could you please listen to my sad story? Oh, yeah, Where you sure. were like, you're yeah. all dead to me. Yeah. I am just going to, like, have my own self-pity inside of me. You yeah. Know, I wonder. No, I think that's probably true. I do think I felt sorry for myself a lot. Mm-hmm. And then I would just turn that as more fuel into survival. And nobody would understand anyway, so I even talked to them. That's right. And it all happens inside conveniently. Where nobody can see it and they have no idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except where we can see. You can feel it. You can. It's like those, <laughs> like, you know, old oil drums that have got like toxic waste in them. Yeah, they're sealed, but you can see the corrosion at the seams. Yeah. It's kind of what it feels yeah. like. Yeah. See, when we're in self pity, we're trying to express the pain of our heart without feeling the pain of our heart. Wow. That's Chip. That's not me. Yeah. Chip. Thanks a lot, Chip. <laughs> like we're we're literally trying to say I am sad without ever having to feel I am sad. Yeah. So it's like this, you know, blinking <laughs> message, like please pick this up. So if I'm trying to make you feel the sadness that I don't want to feel for myself, then right. I'm actually trying to make you value me more than I value me. Correct. Yeah. Ouch. Because for you to value you, you're going to have to value the things you hold dear, but well, you just lost them and I don't want to feel sadness. So could you do that for me? Uh. Chip says this. Oh, no, not Chip again. Yeah. <laughs> Piper down, Chip. When we cannot feel sadness, when we cannot value, when we cannot ache within over what we lose, we have resigned ourselves to an existence that never lets life affect us. As a result, we can never find the healing that sadness can bring. Does that sound like what you were describing? Yes. <laughs> I should have known if we just Fine, kept. Chip. <laughs> I should have known if we just kept turning the page. We'll find an answer. <laughs> Do you want me to read that uh, again for you? No. All right. Fine. When we cannot feel sadness, when we cannot value, when we cannot ache within over what we lose, we have resigned ourselves to an existence that never lets life affect us. As a result, we can never find the healing that sadness can bring. Basically, refusing to feel sad. Brings about a heart of stone. Yeah. All right, stony heart. Scripture talks about a stony heart and God's desire to actually give us a heart of flesh. Yeah. The trouble with a stony heart is it provides immediate relief from the pain we're feeling. Yeah. That's the short-term win. Yeah. 
But the long-term win, the same area where you feel pain, sadness, and loss is the same area of your heart where you feel embrace and love and connection with the Father. and yeah. All of that stuff. So, like, what we're learning through this is we don't want to shut down our hearts. Right. We want to open them up, even though that means us opening up to feeling things we don't historically want to feel. Right. But I think if you've experienced a lot of loss and a lot of sadness— that that statement, like we want to open up our hearts, that can feel overwhelming. Oh, terrifying! Like just like, uh, am I signing up for just a flood, a flood of hurt? Mm-hmm. But I, I think also, it, in my experience, the Lord is so good to bring things up in the right timing with the right support around. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where it, for me, the process of healing hasn't been an overwhelming one, even though I was terrified to even go there. Right. I think also just talking about this highlights the inadequacy of talking about this. As in, so I'm I'm reading this, AJ and I are talking about it, and there's a big piece missing, and it's the process of doing the work. Yeah. So for me, I just think about like how powerful group therapy is. Like you were talking about, like, hey, if you're stuck and you've been deeply hurt and you're hearing people talk about opening up your heart, that sounds terrifying. But there's something beautiful about group work when you are watching somebody else who's in the same condition as you, and maybe you don't recognize your own condition, you can recognize it in them, and you watch them either hit up against the limitations of the path they've chosen, which yeah. speaks directly to your heart, or you watch them be brave and courageous, which speaks something to your heart. Yeah. So, Or it, even one-on-one counseling. Oh, absolutely. Either one. Like, I, think, I think sometimes things are so big that wisdom is you go get help with it. You mm-hmm. don't try and, you know, do it alone. I think my point is if you're listening to this and it sounds overwhelming and scary, that's because it is overwhelming and because it is scary. Yeah. And, you know, understand that there's help available to you. Uh, I think the danger is when I read this initially, there was no practical application for me. So I dismissed it. And I think I feel sad that people might listen to this and be like, yeah, that sounds like too much hard work. And, and I kind of want to reach through the screen and be like, no, it's, <laughs> it is a lot of work, but it's not too much. It produces incredible fruit and incredible results on the other side. Yeah. None of this is new, of course. King Solomon wrote about this in Ecclesiastes. Yeah, shock that the wisest man in the world had something to say about feelings. Right? He said this from Ecclesiastes 7.3. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face the heart is made glad. What this is, what, I mean, what the verse is basically saying is when we actually allow our hearts to feel sad, we begin to live life on life's terms, which along with feeling the other feelings allows us to feel glad. Yeah. But we're jumping ahead of ourselves because glad is the last one we're going to be it's talking about. It's the very about. last one, guys. I'm so sorry. You have to wait several weeks before we get to glad. But it's a good one. Yeah, it's a good one. So that's the truth about sadness. If we choose to feel our feelings, feel sad, then we'll actually live out of the gift, which is acceptance. And if we choose to squash it down or try and, you know, put it under a rock or stone over our hearts, then we tend to live out of that place of self-pity. So if you don't want to become a victim or have a stony heart, practice feeling sad. Yes. How are you feeling? Like, I know we came into this both feeling sad. We've talked a lot about sadness, which felt a little weird. I mean, this is real time. Yeah. Real time stuff. I actually feel a lot better. Talk to me about better. What's better? Uh, I feel some gladness mixed in with my sadness. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah. Yeah. See? Process. Find someone to talk to and maybe get a dog. If your lifestyle supports a dog, please go ahead and get a dog. (laughs) 
Thanks for listening today. We hope that this series on feelings is uh, bringing an encouragement to you, especially in the season of uh, COVID-19. We want to give honor where honor is due. We've been talking a lot about Chip Dodd. His book, The Voice of the Heart, is where we got a lot of this revelation from. Uh, Chip also founded an organization called Sage Hill, which is an amazing organization which offers counseling and training. They have podcasts, other media resources. We'll put their links in uh, our show notes as well so you can find access to them. We also want to say a huge thank you to our patrons who are making these videos possible. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about becoming a patron, you can go to alanandaj.com slash patron. And so we're done. Thanks for joining us again for this week. You can listen to this uh, podcast in your favorite podcast of choice. Just look for Keeping Up with the Joneses. You can watch all of these videos in their widescreen, high-definition glory on YouTube at youtube.com slash alanandaj. And we also post these videos to Instagram on our Instagram TV. We are at alanandaj. Thanks so much for joining us, and we will see you next week. Faith. Life, communication, tacos and video games, paleo donuts and the kindness of God, the things we deal with every day, from Franklin, Tennessee, they are just like you and me, Alan and AJ, keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with Keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses. They talk about faith in God and everything under the sun. If you are a human being, there's something here for everyone.